once we realize that we've been living our life trying to be validated or be the best or be perfect, be this, be that, and that's only our perceptions, our lies that we made up. Once we can let go of our lies and perception, you can then step in your power and live the life that you were truly meant to come here for, to lead a purposeful, happy life. And when you are being of service, this is the fastest way to be connected with your true authentic self and be happy. It's so rewarding when you do something good and you see the satisfaction on people's faces. It's lovely. So you can do that for yourself or humanity or the planet, the environment, because we're all connected. So. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow, I feel good. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always wonderful to be with you again. Today, I have the delicious Beverly Holt on the show. Welcome, Beverly. Thank you very much. It's such a great honor to be here on your show with you. Thank you. And Beverly has her own podcast show, which I have been on, and she was just telling me that she's going to release that sometime towards, well, before the end of the year, I suspect. But let me tell you a little bit about Beverly. She's in Australia, although she does have a, what's your accent? English, English accent. Welsh. Welsh, Welsh accent. <laughs> Beverly Holt has lived in many countries and continues to travel when she can, wherever she is guided. She discovered her ability to channel at a very young age and her mum, who was also clairvoyant, told her to keep it a secret. Beverly is a holistic entrepreneur with many feathers to her bow. Her mission is to empower women to be the best version of themselves. Beverly is an inspirational speaker and organiser of holistic events with exceptional speakers. And this is true. We've had a chat about the people that you've had in your events. She's a co-founder of Be Here Now Ladies in Monaco, which is one of the places that she was living in before Australia. Author of a collaborative best-selling book, Lady X, A Journey to Self-Love and Discovery. And your website is mywellnessspring.co. Well, where do we start? Where do we start, Beverly? Maybe when you were a kid, what was happening when your mum said, keep it a secret? Because my mum used to, for example, she might say, call me by a different name. And I'm like, I'm not that person, you know. And then we'd get a telephone call and that person be sick or something was going on. And... You know, I, she was always having messages from people who had transcended and I'd be like, who are you talking to? Oh, it's Auntie so-and-so, you know, and I'd never met that person before they were dead, before I was alive. And um, like most children have imaginary friends, but what um, parents don't realize, they're actually speaking to the spirit world. You know, they we can all, when we're born, as you know, Karen, see spirits far more easily than we can the humans. We see them all around and we don't realize that we're not our mother and we're not part of all that is. So, you know, there's a a bit of a gap there and a bit of shock once we realize that we are separate. So I used to have my imaginary friend and, you know, set a place for her at the table and, you know, we'd have lots and lots of fun. And then when we were going to school, my mother said, Shh, don't say anything, you know, because um, let it be a secret. And she said, everybody has secrets. So just keep it a secret because she didn't want me to be bullied or people think I was weird and things like that. So apart from your little friend that you saw, what else were you perceiving as a child? And, and, and when your mum said, keep it a secret, did you start to sort of shut down your intuitive and psychic abilities? 
I did, yes. However, at night time, I used to astral travel as well and go to different places. And, you know, my sisters just thought that I was dreaming, but I was like, no, I went here and I saw this and I saw that and I blah, blah, blah. And apparently, since I was six years old, I always wanted to come to Australia. And I have a little birthmark on my leg, on my thigh. And in my perception of it it's a map of Australia but um, one of my great uncles was um, an admiral in the navy and he came to Australia and I must have overheard them talking but I was really really fascinated and couldn't wait and when I was old enough and doing geography and looking at the globe and checking it out and thinking oh my god it's literally the other side of the world and that made it even more inviting for me to <laughs> want to come and it's funny when I did eventually come here I really felt like I'd come home oh, even really? though it was raining so badly a bit like it has been lately and the rain yeah. was bouncing up to my knees and I couldn't really settle, but it promoted me to travel around Australia and did the Greyhound bus tours and things like that. And when I went back, you know, I was more settled within myself. And then after about six months, I said to my father, I'm going back to live in Australia and I know exactly where I want to live now. So how old were you when you first came out here? I was um, 28. So oh, OK. I'd, I'd gone from my hometown, just to give you an idea, in Wales, when I was growing up, everybody's very protective of the children. Nobody used to travel. And, you know, just for me to move from my hometown, Bridgen, to Swansea, another town, it was like, oh my God, she's left home, you know. So I started off as a registered um, general psychiatric nurse and then did general nursing in. Um, Swansea which was an amazing place to live and then I went from there to Bermuda I was going there for one year and then got delayed and then then finally made my way to Australia. Wow what an exciting life so you, yeah you are a, a traveler aren't you but you it sounds like you've always known that you've been here to be of service like you've yeah. always known that going becoming a psychiatric nurse yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's all I've always been fascinated by what makes people click, you know. So I've done loads of other brain entrainment courses like Psych and many other courses just to understand how people's mind works. Yeah. And so forth. Psych is, is amazing. I interviewed the founder, the creator, the, the guy that you know downloaded the information because oh, he yeah. talked what's his name? William. William. Oh, got it wrong. Yeah. Years ago, before I was podcasting, yeah, I'd love to have a chat to him again. He was such a lovely man. He was such a lovely man. And I had all these, anyway, I put it, it was when I was doing radio. I don't even know where the recording is now, so many years ago. But yeah, Site K is uh, really interesting. But yeah, there's many technologies out there like that. So you felt at home in Australia, went back home, said to your dad, I'm moving back out here. And um, did, so did you live here for a long time or did you continue to travel? Oh, I lived here for 20 years okay. and I started a health and wellbeing centre in Rose Bay called Holistic Harmony and I had 20 staff. But it was really bizarre because everybody that worked there were either trained in Reiki, including two doctors, or they wanted me to teach them Reiki. So... Uh, we we had a really good mix of people and I became known because I used to run um, events once a month to introduce the community what is mainline medicine and what is holistic medicine. So the Ayurveda doctor would talk and a general medicine doctor would talk or we'd have a physiotherapy because a lot of people don't know if you have an accident, should I see a, a doctor, a sports medicine doctor, a physio, a chiropractor, and so an osteopath and so forth. So I got local members in the community who were experts in what they did to explain all this. And 
we I had naturopaths and homeopaths and um, various people and they would explain what they did you know even with massage you know there's so many different styles of massage so that um, people could understand what they were getting what would happen in a treatment and the benefits so and we do a fundraiser for a battered ladies home and they would appear on the night so we charge a small fee to come in and all that money went to the battered ladies home so it was really good what made you close down the uh, holistic health center well i'm i've got passion for sailing and my partner is a professional sailor and he's raced around the world and we were celebrating his 40th birthday in brisbane I've done five Sydney to Hobart races and I've raced up and down the coast as well. And then we um, we got a phone call from a friend of his that I used to do the Kookaburra racing on in Sydney Harbour. And um, he said, would you like to come to France? And by the way, it's not a temporary delivery. It's a permanent job. And we were inspired, but I'd just been nominated for Telstra Women in Business Awards. And I was like, oh, no, can't go. No, <laughs> you know, and by the end of the weekend, it was like, oh, my God, I've just got to go because I get so much um, nudges from the universe. So whether it's in my dream or my intuition, you know, my I call it my GPS, my great personal so speaks to me and it's like okay I'm going however um, I couldn't do the delivery because I was so busy at work and I arranged to meet them on Nectar Island because the job would have been for Sir Richard Branson but my partner did the delivery and there were so many things wrong with the boat what we'd call a red herring he decided not to work on the boat but the seed had been planted and it was like, okay, I'll get someone to run the business and we'll go traveling for a year. But people were freaking out saying, oh no, it's too busy. I couldn't cope with the responsibility. So then I got the message to sell the business so I could have complete freedom. And that's what we did. And the rest is history. As they say, the rest is history. Yeah. So you, you traveled around Europe for a while and you landed in Monaco, right? You landed in the South of France. Yeah. How long did you live there? We got jobs on various boats and mm -hmm. I worked with my husband for three years in different countries and the best was going from Mallorca to um, through the, the Suez Canal and to the Red Sea and to wow. Israel and we were based there for six months. Wow. With Monaco, we'd had a job in France with an Irish billionaire for about five months and we thought, oh, this is nice because we'd been in Mallorca and we'd been in France and we thought we'll buy an investment property over here and um, just live, come here each year for a holiday because we still hadn't thought we were going to move there. And before we knew it, my partner said, I think the universe wants you to stay in France. So we started in France. And then after about three years, we got a big nudge to go to Monaco. And that's when I was promoting all the holistic speakers. So I started a holistic professional network and in France. And then I took it with me to Monaco. And then... so Monaco is, is a separate country to France, right? So it's its own country, isn't it? Monaco is its own country. Yeah. It's its own country. It's a principality. So over the years... You know, Italy owned Monaco and okay. also Nice, which is the next big town to okay. Monaco. So it's a principality and Prince Albert is the monarch there. Monarch, yeah. Yeah. Is he still alive? He is. He's definitely alive. <laughs> <laughs> he married Grace, Grace Kelly. You're thinking of Prince, uh, Prince Rainer. Oh, am so I? I got it wrong. Prince Rainer married um grace kelly and he died prince yeah. rainer okay he's and so who who succeeded him his son his son albert okay he's married to um charlene whitstock who they both have um twins his wife is um south african mm -hmm. 
and choose to be um, a, a Olympic swimmer. And they got married and had twins. Sorry, I didn't explain it well. So they oh, okay. had children. Yeah. All right, right. So Bit of European be, gossip here. <laughs> yeah, he's um, he's sixty three now. So and his oh, wife okay. is forty three. She's yeah. absolutely gorgeous, and a lot of people think she looks like um, Princess Grace Kelly. Mm. She's absolutely stunning. Yeah. I'll have to look her up after after we'd finished talking. But you, when you were putting on your events in Monaco, you were kind of hanging around with that that set of people, weren't you? Like, like the yeah. sort of people that were coming to the events. Did, did she come to any of your events? Not really, no. But we did celebrate um, the rugby, um, the World Cup when South Africa beat in a local bar there called Slammers. So Princess Charlene was there and bizarrely her husband was in South Africa, but Charlene and her brother were in the bar and she was pouring drinks and she bought us all a drink to celebrate as well. Oh, lovely. So what amazed me about your work in Monaco is that you were putting on speakers that were talking about consciousness to like the, you know, the like the sort of high flyers and I often yeah. think that people with a lot of money are not really interested in that stuff because, you know, they've got money, they've got things to do. <laughs> they don't sort of sit yeah. and meditate and think about the state of the world or the state of their world, you know. So how did that come about? Well, I was friendly with a lady called Kate Powers, who's recently transcended, and she owned a place called Stars and Bars, and um, she would ask me to go there. She knew about my events in Nice and she came to lots of my events and she said, why don't you bring the speakers here to Monaco and you can do them in stars and bars. So before I knew it, I was doing lots of events there. And we'd also do fun social events. So every Australia day, we would have a big party, one of the biggest parties in, in her bar. Uh, we got to about 350, 400 people upstairs and we created an inside outside party. So um, we'd have a barbecue, rolling food and we'd have a DJ and we'd have a big screen up and Annette Anderson, the bar manager, was so creative and she, we'd put together, Brian would download some Aussie music and we'd do the fireworks from New Year's Eve and we'd put those up on the screen because they were always spectacular and just dancing and everybody dressing up in the Aussie costumes. So we had a group called um, Monacozzi. So it was to connect um, Australians living in Monaco with Monagas people and business people and um, yeah, because a lot of people live in Monaco have made their money. They don't um, need to work. And there's loads of amazing athletes living there, like Tiffany Cromwell, the cyclist, and Dave Tanner, and um, the racing car drivers and so forth. You know, they're all living there. So they don't need to make money. And um, a lot of them didn't know each other. So we did events and we we're introducing some of these together. And then the government um, found out that we were doing a lot of events with Australians. And we had a really amazing um, art exhibition with Aboriginal arts from Torres Strait Islands. And these artists, it was their first time to leave their tiny little suburb let alone get a plane and come to another country wow. and we had this art exhibition for six months wow so this the monogas people and people living there got to meet all these aboriginal artists and the art promoter and it was truly spectacular it took many months to fix it they even had like a giant crab on the building <laughs> of the museum because it was in the oceanographic museum so it was just incredible and they had loads of events so they would ask me to invite Australians to to all these different events and there was a really good Australian it's a magical story Alex Luther he was um farmed out in different orphanages and foster homes because his mum 
and dad couldn't look after him. The parents had separated. And then one time, coming to the age of 30, he found a scrapbook in his mum's house and he said, who's that man? His grandfather had been a world champion monoskier and did a trip 13,000 miles and ended up in Italy and Monaco. And Prince Rainer had actually um, given him a medal and they did the sabrage where you hold a bottle of champagne and you hold the sabre, the sword, and hit off the, the cork. So he wanted to trace his grandfather's footsteps and he'd never, ever been on a ski. Um, so he had to do a lot of training, big, big lesson. And he came and um, Prince Albert honoured him, met him, and they did the sabrage exactly the same. So it was incredible. So, yeah, we were blessed to be able to work with the government and keep the Monaco Australia alive, you know, the connections. What did you call them? The Monacozies, the Monacozies. Yeah, Monacozies. So. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so, we wanted to do a pun on the beach wear here in Australia. All right, um, yeah. Australians are called Aussies, but we did it like Cozies. So we oh, had right, the word yeah. Monaco and just put Z-Z-I-E-S on the end. The Monacozies, that's hilarious. Wow, it made me cry when you, you talked about bringing the Indigenous art, you know, across the world. Because uh, yeah. there was, you know, more, there was so much more happening than people just looking at nice art. You know, they were bringing this um, culture and the and what it stands for, you know, into a society that is so materialistically focused and yet, yeah, bringing yeah. that earth energy into that, yeah, made me cry when you talked about that. Wow, yeah, I still, I still feel very teary, actually. Wow, what amazing work you've been doing, darling yeah. one, honestly, just beautiful. Yeah. So well, basically Monaco is a very religious Catholic, strict Catholic country, so up until recently, you know, anything that wasn't medical wasn't allowed. So for example, I had a friend who's um, a Chinese medicine doctor grew up there, because, but because it's not mainstream, she had to work in France on the border. So I could promote speakers, but as a Reiki master and teacher, I couldn't work there. I could only get talks and events and, um, we couldn't, uh, and the government are really strict. They do the background checks on people. And um, fortunately, um, when we brought Nassim Haramin over, the um, manager of Café de Paris, where we had the event, follows Nassim and absolutely adores him. So a lot of people might mm -hmm. be more consciously aware and more in the now, but they wouldn't talk about it. So it's all like you know, hush, hush, if you want for a better word. And the same when I went to France, it was like going back about a hundred years because they didn't, when I tried to insure myself for Reiki, they said, well, we don't have it. We've got something called sophrology. You can do that. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't even know what that is. So I actually got insured in England to cover me in different countries. What did they call it? Sophology? Sophrology, yeah. What's it's, that? <laughs> it's particularly in um, France, and it's like a mixture of energy healing, meditation, and psychology, uh -huh. and creativity. So it's a whole band. Wow. That's very popular there. But um, yeah. So, darling, one, you've been traveling the world, spreading consciousness in the mainstream world yeah how, how wonderful yeah waking people up yeah, yeah. What wonderful wonderful so you started the events in in nice and then moved yeah. them to monaco and tell us about the speakers like you had some amazing speakers so you said nasim nasim haramain who yeah. i just adore you know the new physicist he's like a he's like a oh, genius yeah. people have compared him to the next Einstein oh yeah he, he is incredible as you know yeah he is yeah. and I tried to book I we tried to book him for an online conference but uh we couldn't get it yeah we couldn't get anywhere near him he's so booked out I think he's booked out for speaking events and 
uh, for for years and yeah and he can he can command he can command a lot of money so how long ago was that that you had him that's only two years ago just before the first covid lockdown and we did have plans to do a huge conference with dr bruce lipton um dr joe dispenser and um greg braden bring them all there and to be the first like big conference there but you know with you can't travel and with restaurants and everything closing down maybe in a few years let's see and okay the so the world you, is changing yes yeah know. the world is changing it absolutely is so you didn't manage to get that one up and running with uh bruce and joe dispenser and that one no, it's literally because of covid mm. yeah literally just before the lock, first lockdown when we were trying to sort out dates and things like that and um, as you know I've now been I came here for thinking it was going to be maximum three months and it's now one year ago and two days that we've been in Australia. So you came back you came back down under because of COVID because of lockdowns? Yeah because the lockdowns were very strict you had one hour to do a 5k radius and we'd carry an attestation which is like a piece of paper to show the time you left and where you're going wow. or you put it in your mobile phone and they could track you so everybody was locked down not like in Australia well in Sydney where it was only a couple of suburbs you know uh yeah everyone was locked in for a while was it just a couple of suburbs for, must have been before you came back down under but Right. Yeah, I mean, Victoria has had the, you know, Victoria, Melbourne has had the worst lockdowns, but yeah, they locked us all in for a while. I didn't pay any attention to it because I don't sort of, if I don't need to go anywhere, I don't go anywhere. I just go to the shop or go to the beach, you know, just walk around my suburb. So it didn't bother me, but it, it did yeah. affect a lot of people. Yeah, it was really interesting how people responded to it. So you came back because of the lockdowns and, and you're going to stay or? Also, because Brian's um, family are elderly, they're in their 80s and quite frail. And um, his dad actually had two near-death experiences post the COVID jabs. So fortunately, he's fine, but it has made him get very, very forgetful. So, so when you say near-death experiences, what happened to him? Well, it, the, his mum is a registered nurse or was mm. a registered nurse and um, they'd finished their evening meal and they were just sitting, chatting, relaxing and she got, got up to get something and she heard a bang and she's seen him with his head on the table oh. and he'd gone completely grey. She checked his pulse, no pulse, no breath. So oh. she started doing resuscitation and at the same time called the ambulance, you know, the emergency number. So they came, he was in hospital for a week. They did all the tests on his um, brain and heart and so forth, couldn't find anything. And they went out, you know, after a week and everything was fine. And then when he had his second injection, um, a few days later, similar happened. He just kind of like dropped dead, bang. Yes. Like, yeah. and and then they resuscitated him again god yeah he doesn't yeah. want to he doesn't want to leave does he no it's <laughs> sorry i shouldn't laugh but he likes being alive or he likes being in physical so he likes being in the physical so yeah. he's literally he literally died for a bit did he did he say what happened to him like did he have any he, he just said that he just felt like he was having a sleep and everything was light and uh -huh. fun and the funniest thing was though he reckoned that he had a peppered steak, which was so delicious in the <laughs> hospital. <laughs> and uh, he said the nurse took him to the cafe and he had this most delicious meal. And of course, that's not true. But to this day, he was very disappointed when he went into hospital a second time and they served him such disgusting food. So <laughs> <laughs> but I did try and get more information about you know so can you remember falling on the table can you remember getting in the ambulance you know did you see anything did you see any lights because you know it, they know I do the healings I was like 
can't remember, but I just know I felt blissful. And oh. wherever I was, I didn't want to come back. It was so oh. lovely. Oh, how lovely. Yeah, it sounds like he was out of his body having an astral experience, went to the cafe with the nurse. That's hilarious. Yes. And had a beer and had a great steak. <laughs> steak. Oh, wow. And the other reason why we came back, so that was the main reason. And this, the main reason we came here when you had the terrible fires, so the year before, right. it, I was crying and I could feel all the animals' pains, all the death and the destruction of the trees. I was every day sending healings to the trees and the animals and just to all the people involved and things like that. And I didn't have a good experience here at all. And just breathing in all that acrid smoke and it was disgusting. We were in Sydney and Melbourne and it's recently we just um, drove through Malakuta. So we're two years on and it's so bizarre. The trees are standing like tall sticks and bits of fern, new growth on the top. So part of it, you can see where the fire hit and you go around another corner and the trees are normal and healthy and go another corner. So the fire was obviously a lot hotter in some areas than the other, but just seeing all the blackness of the tree, but naked trees, they've changed. They look completely, you know, it's so, so bizarre. But my heart was bleeding and for Mother Earth and sending loads of healing and we got back on Australia Day, just before Australia Day to do our parties. And I said to Kate, oh my God, I can feel Mother Earth crying. There's much more going on. And everybody thought I was just upset about what had happened in Australia. And I was like, no, I can feel Mother Earth crying. And of course, then we had COVID because COVID is the lungs, the water. And I was saying to everyone, I can feel the water on, on the planet crying, you know. And when we're talking about other speakers, my, my most favorite one was the barefoot doctor. And his real name is Stephen Russell. And he transcended on Australia Day, the day we got back. And we'd planned to do loads of things together. He had a place in Spain where he was currently living then and he was doing retreats I was going there in May and we were going to do podcasts and different things together and loads of workshops together and I was just like blown away because the year before I actually had 10 deaths wow. in the family my niece died of cancer and my brother-in-law had ringing in the year and they found uh, eventually he had a massive heart attack and he had a near-death experience so he came back around and he explained you know he could see light and angels and things like that anyway it wasn't time for him to leave he lived another month and stay but the barefoot doctor was truly magical and you know he opened so many hearts and souls in Monaco he, he was English wasn't he yes I think Clara uh, Clara my friend who has another show called Chi Time in in the UK I think she talked to me about him I never had him on my show but she used to say oh he's fabulous he's fabulous get him on your show she always used to talk about him but I, I never yeah. saw so he transitioned how long ago a year and a half ago two years ago two years on ago Australia Day so two, two at the beginning of the year mm. yeah mm. yeah it was a great loss but a friend channeled because he when he was a young boy you know, he was a wild child and wanted to fight because his father was a boxer, came from a very wealthy family. And um, when they expelled him from school or threatened to expel him, his father said, look, there's, um, I want to introduce you to a man. He's a very famous Japanese man. And he did a kido. So at 13, he thought, oh, yeah. And the Japanese guy said, punch me in the stomach you can do better than that and he's at 13 was much bigger than this guy he's punching 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 he's like wow he doesn't even flinch I want to <laughs> learn that you know and then he went on to be a shaman and traveled the world he always learned from the top people in their profession but as a child he had that experience of oneness and all that is and could feel the energy in music he was so excited so he could be you know with 
another dimension instantly mm. and connect with all that is. And he became famous for um, the book he wrote, The Urban Warrior. And mm -hmm. I asked him about, well, how long did it take you to write it? And he went, oh, I hate writing. He said, I go to Wales. I've got go to this lovely cottage. I rent it each time and I do nothing. I write for 19 hours a day and I bring have a few cups of teas and a bit 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 of sandwiches to eat and that's it but he would write all his books in three weeks solid how old was he when he transitioned was he 66 oh so he was young he was yeah, yeah he was not old yeah well he was obviously done here he was obviously finished yeah um, a friend um channeled him and he said uh -huh. that he'd been offered to come back yeah. in the near future yeah he's coming back he just said he dropped the body because he's going to take on a new body new crystalline body new physical body oh, wow but you know with the fires i had a chat to mother guy about the fires and she did not cry over the fires you know what she said to me she said i love my fires i love my fires and i said why do you love them she says it clears out all the old debris it just clears out everything and she said to me if only you humans could learn to love the fires in your life, like I love my fires. And I was like, wow. wow. Yes. I've got goosebumps. Right. <laughs> Sometimes our life burns down, right? And and my daughter yeah. was caught up in the fires. Her little house burnt down her property. She was on a communal, some land with some other young people trying to create this communal, sustainable, you know, living off the grid type lifestyle. And the fire came through Cabago, which was like it burnt down pretty much. They were just behind mm -hmm. Cabago. It just, it just, her her the girl that she lived with was so excited she was building a tiny house and she'd spent oh. about thirty five thousand on just getting the frame up and she was just about to complete this tiny house and the fire just just burnt to the ground but interestingly enough since then her life has changed dramatically it was a fire that came through literally came through her life but it changed her and her life dramatically and for the better you know, it was tragic yeah. at the time, but just like Mother Gaia said, you know, it learned to love the fires in your life. When everything burns down, it clears out all the old debris. And, and um, um, yeah, that really resonates with me and I've got goosebumps. And also I, I know from cousins living in New Zealand when they had the volcanoes, when you have disasters, it brings the community together. together. Everybody falls together you know that's making me i'm very teary today <laughs> your energy i'm tuning into very sensitive soul you are oh wow so the barefoot doctor yeah he, he transitioned so what are you yeah. doing now darling one you're here in australia what's happening yeah we kept thinking we were going back to france so we didn't make any plans so we we did our quarantine in um, the Gold Coast, hung out with some friends in Brisbane. And then we went to Melbourne to visit Brian's parents and friends. And I just, while I was in lockdown, I started doing weekly wellness circles mm -hmm. because I was doing them in France and they were very successful. Just, you know, reassuring people, look, you're not on your own. We're all in this together and it's a global thing, you know, and just helping them to connect through their breath, to connect with the love inside. And I was doing, teaching them about breathing and wearing masks and, and then just doing breathing meditations and just giving them lots of wellness tips. And I've continued to do it. So I still thought I was going back and before the time change, it was good. We were having French people and Australians together and people all over Europe. So it was really lovely bringing a global online community together and people sharing stories. Yeah. And we, we, we just had this, I had the message to buy some land here and do echo retreats. So we left Melbourne. We knew it was like one week into lockdown in Sydney, but we thought it's not going to be long. And we won't tell our friends, we'll go driving in the car and because I feel like going up north, um, find some land. And then we were there for 16 weeks. And then during that 16 weeks, it was like, 
you got to buy a van, a camper van and go in style. So in the meantime, my husband made a dinghy from scratch. So we <laughs> thought we can travel around the harbour because we're living right on the water and be free. And um, then we bought this van. So it's not complete, but we've jumped in the van and we're heading to Melbourne as we speak. So now we're in a lovely town called Locksport. And when we were here early in the year, it was, I was like a child. I was so excited. A kangaroo came in the front garden and he comes here every day. And the birds, I was like, oh, my God, the cockatoo, the lorikeets, the galas. And, you know, absolutely. we call my friend the Birdman. And since we were in 16 week lockdown, we went for a nature walk every day. I was meditating in nature, connecting with Mother Earth. And it was like, I've come back home again. This is where I'm meant to be, you know, just yeah. helping people. So I've had big messages that I really got to help people to connect with Mother Earth and connect to the true soul living inside them, you know, to really connect. So now is the time for oneness and building a life with um, compassion and caring and respect, respect for yourself and respect for the whole of humanity. And most importantly, respect for Mother Earth has been too much pollution, mm. you know. So what did you learn from, you know, putting on all these events with these amazing speakers? Oh, I learned something from each of them. Yeah. And the, I was just surprised how many different cultures and different backgrounds of people came. And again, it's the same message. It's about being true to yourself, being your true authentic self. And Monaco is not only about glamour and glitz. You know, there are some truly wonderful people living there. And they do truly amazing causes like Prince Albert is looking after our oceans. And he's, this is our connection between Australia and here, helping to keep our oceans free. And there's lots of people doing, Monaco is probably nicknamed the country of charities. So nearly everyone is doing a charity. A lot of people, the husbands are working, the women, you know, don't need to work. And they're doing charities, you know, to help really good causes. So that's really lovely as well. And um, yeah, I think all the speakers are telling us, stand in your power, you know, be true to yourself. That was the main message from all of them. And listen to your intuition, your gut feeling and go with the flow. You know, you, we're not here to be people pleasers don't care what people think about you, you know, doesn't matter how you dress. And I think since I've been here, because in Monaco, everybody did dress up. And to be honest, it was fun. It gave you something to look forward to and to dress up and be in that energy as well. And um, since I've been here, living 16 weeks and now in a camper van, I don't think I'll be putting my lovely dresses on we've just had them sent out it's taken four <laughs> months and um, because we're traveling we couldn't wait any longer because with the strikes in the dock and you know containers are backloaded and finally we got a message on Friday saying oh so you can ha come and pick up or we can deliver your container and we're on the road we're like well can you keep it for a while because we're not sure when we're going to be back in Sydney so I think our dresses well my dresses and Brian's dinner jackets are going to be in the container for a long while yet and we're just <laughs> going to be free spirits and listen to our gut feeling go with the flow and see where we're meant to be and I see think we'll probably land. end up doing pop-up meditations in nature and things like that you know Beverly during this time of shift I think that's all we can really do everyone has plans 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 you know our mutual friend wanted to start a center here in Sydney he opened it up and lockdowns shut him down and um, you know there's that great saying do you want to know how to make God laugh tell her your plans <laughs> 
uh, yeah, all we can do in this time of great shift, because we're right in the thick of it, right in the middle of this changeover transition period from one world, one, one set of systems to another, all we can do is be in this moment and just show up in this moment and not worry too much about plans, plans, plans. I've had a lot of plans and I haven't moved on them, on many of them. Mm. until I felt like the time is right and years have gone by and I've, I've said to my mom so when am I supposed to do that and they said not yet not yet not yet because it just hasn't been the right time because we're in this sort of transition period and um, yeah I think next year 2022 will reveal a lot of stuff mm. lots of things are going to change next year next year is going to be huge we thought 2020 20, and 21 was big next year is going to be huge um yeah so all you can do is like show up be in the moment <laughs> live in a camper exactly. van <laughs> live, to, live in a camper van go to the beach <laughs> yeah and to be honest I was so relieved when we had our first lockdown in France and Monaco because it meant I didn't have to race back and forth the two places or different places like Cannes I used to do events there as well and it was time to just slow down and have me time. Yeah. And I think here in Australia as well, they're sort of behind the rest of the world with the lockdowns. But it's been a wonderful opportunity for people to recreate themselves. A lot of jobs no longer exist, a lot of businesses and so forth. However, there's thriving businesses. People are doing those picnic parties and so much more you instead of being a people pleaser and doing what your parents wanted you to do or your spouse and your peers mm -hmm. you can be creative and do what you want to do and be the change you want the world to be right yeah exactly exactly yeah lots of people yeah it, well as mother guy said to me two years ago learn to love the fires we are going yeah. through, we are going through a fire, you know, a fire of it's burning down the old systems. And when people lose jobs and lose money and, and lose what they know, they do, they get upset. But oh, just listening to Mother Guy, learn to love the fires. It's like it burns down everything you know, but then there is this renewal. And after the fires, the, the, the Australian fires a couple of years ago, uh, I went down to visit my girlfriend who lives down near where they're all happening down the coast, a um, few hours down the coast of Sydney, and drove through so much country driving down there. And the trees were so happy, like they had fur all the way up their trunks, like fur, like green, it looked like green fur. You know, when they burnt, <laughs> they were just these stark black, you know, nothing. Yeah. And then a couple of months later, they just went with this renewed growth and then a few yeah. months after that it was just incredible the renewal of growth and I, I really got what she was saying learn to love the fires because it burns out the old and clears the way for the new and yeah. we are going through this global fire right now and um, yeah what you can do is yeah be in the moment go to the beach <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, for the people that are listening to this on the other side of the world, can't go to the beach at the moment because it's winter. <laughs> but build snowmen. <laughs> Sit by the fire. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Someone asked me, you know, what would my tips be um, for Christmas? Because a lot of people haven't got money and so forth. And I, I just said, spend quality time with whoever you want to be and just laugh and have some fun absolutely you know yeah. you might be sick of seeing them you might have had 16 weeks with them so go outdoors <laughs> you know no. if you're able to go outdoors but just do some some fun things because the best gift you can give to anyone is your time yeah and exactly. be fully present and listen so think outside the box and do some silly games and charades or you know the best things in life are free. Just go outside and breathe and be in nature and just enjoy. Yeah, exactly. And this coming from someone who is, you know, dressed up in your ball gown, gown yes. with, the, with the rich and the famous. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, darling one. So let, let's talk about your podcast show. What's the name of your podcast show? Mywellnessspring.co. And where can people find it? Just on your website? Is it? 
It's on my website and it's also on iTunes and it's on YouTube. Um, YouTube. Yeah. And it's more holistically health focused. It's kind of different to my show, which is more about everything. Well, I, I, yeah. I started it to talk about deliberate creation, which we've talked about today. Every conversation has the um, recipe for how to be deliberate in your creation. Get happy. Be in the exactly. moment. Get happy. Stay in the moment. Appreciate what you have. Learn to love the fires. But yours is more about holistic health and you interview a lot of health practitioners, right? Yeah, I interview health practitioners and also exceptional people. Like I was blessed to interview Eddie Jacku, the Holocaust survivor. Oh, wow. And he was so inspiring and still driving at 101. Wow. You know, and Alex Luther, the athlete I mentioned, who did the monoski for 13,000 miles around Europe, Africa, Monaco, Italy and um, quite a few athletes because a lot of them like Paula Radcliffe the world um, marathon champion who held the record for 16 years she's now gone on to do amazing work with clean air and many other charities and she started something called family on track bringing families together so even if you don't run a marathon you could run one track or walk or, you know, be pushed in a wheelchair, which she started up in her hometown in England. And now she will bring that to Monaco as well. They're redeveloping Monaco, so we'll have a huge area, you know. So it's the message is about community and unity. Community know? and unity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is, I think, you met Alex, right, from Unity Fest, or did you meet Joe from Love Fest first? Joe from Love, Love Fest, Fest yeah. right? Because Joe's also involved in Unity Fest, community and unity. Their catch cry, yeah, yeah, community and unity. And is there any last message you'd like to share with people before we say goodbye? Just to be the true, authentic self and keep doing the work on yourself to let go of negative beliefs, negative programming, because. Most of our programming started from the age of conception till six. And once you let go of that and realize that you're living, for example, if you don't think you're good enough from the age of naught till two, um, it's when we have our mother love, when we're breastfed and loved and nurtured. And if that didn't happen, we're seeking love and to be loved. And then the Mayans used to take people to the top of the mountain at two to see how to bring love into the world. So it's once we realize that we've been living our life, trying to be validated or be the best or be perfect, be this, be that. And that's only our perceptions, our lies that we made up. Once we can get, let go of our lies and perception, you can then step in your power and live the life that you were truly meant to come here for to lead a purposeful, happy life. And when you are being of service, this is the fastest way to be connected with your true authentic self and be happy. It's so rewarding when you do something good and you see the satisfaction on people's faces. It's lovely. So you can do that for yourself or humanity or the planet, the environment, because we're all connected. So keep breathing, keep smiling and be yourself. Beautiful. What a beautiful message. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been gorgeous. Thank to you, chat Karen. With you. That was, thank you. It was wonderful being with you as always. Wonderful conversation with the gorgeous Beverly. There's so much more to that woman. We could have chatted all day, Beverly and I. There's, she's had She's had an amazing life and continues to uh, an amazing life. Uh, met some incredible people traveling the world, doing her work, light worker, traveling the world, doing her work. Just because you're a light worker doesn't mean that you have to live, live on skid row. <laughs> you can still do your energy work or your light work and, and live a life of luxury. As Beverly's proven, although she's um, got the van, she's, her and her husband are renovating the van and traveling around Australia in the van. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Good on her. Good on her. So I will stay tuned to see what Beverly does next you know she's uh 
yeah, stay tuned. An eco village, that sounds nice. Having events in an eco village, hmm, that sounds good. She's got to find some land. Anyway, it'll be interesting. I, I, I actually see her going back to Europe in the next couple of years, maybe not to live, but definitely to reconnect to her connections over there and um, maybe put on some more events. Uh, yeah, so for the next couple of years, things are going to be topsy-turvy, but they'll settle down by 23, end of 2023. Things will settle down and we can start planning again. <laughs> we can start organising things again. Uh, as I said to Beverly on the show, you know, my guides gave me a vision to do something in Sydney because I wondered why life had brought me back into the city when I'd moved out. I only moved an hour away, but I was living up on the northern beaches, overlooking the beaches. Oh, the beaches are so beautiful up there and loving every minute of it, I have to say. And then life brought me back into the city. I said, oh, okay, I'll stay in the city for six months, live in the city for a year, just reconnect to the city, and then I'll move back out again. And like, nope, you're staying here. Set me up here, put me in a three-story house and right near the beach and just set me up very nicely. The universe is looking after me. And... Um, I'm like, right, I'm supposed to stay in the city. Why am I here? And so they gave me this vision, but years ago. And I thought, well, I'll act on it when I get the impulse to act. And I haven't. And I said to them, why haven't I got the impulse to act? I don't feel like acting on it yet. And they said, not time yet, not time yet. So I was listening to another psychic speak about this on another show. I can't remember who it was because I listened to a few you know, people. And um, as I'm wandering around the house, cooking, washing dishes, whatever, vacuuming, I've always got something going on in the background. And I remember hearing someone say, when you're given a download or a vision from your guides, it doesn't mean that you have to act on it like immediately. Like you're given this vision because they kind of live outside time and space. They sort of give you the vision. And then your job is to build on the vision, like, ask questions about it why what you know tell me more give me more and then wait for that impulse to act and that's exactly what I've been doing I've been waiting for the imp and it's been years it's been eight nine years since I was received this vision and I said to them a couple of years ago when am I supposed to do this thing they said 2022 and then COVID hit and it would have been impossible to actually create the vision that they gave me during this time of COVID with lockdowns and everything in Australia, especially. And I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? So instead of, and I've got friends that when they see, you know, they get creative ideas, they run out and they can try and make it happen. And um, I've got a friend that does that and he's doing amazing work, but he's sort of pushing again. He's like always pushing, pushing, pushing to make stuff happen instead of just being guided, being in that flow and, and acting when you feel the impulse to act. It's interesting. A friend said to me a few years ago, a couple of years ago, do you want to come and do some, we're going to go and clear some energy and activate and download codes and, you know, do all this sort of stuff um, in a place, a couple of hours, an hour or so south from me and where a cemetery was or where there was some bad energy or something that something happened in the history. And I said, no, nope, that's not the work I do in this world, not, not coming. Sounds like a fun day. But that morning I woke up and I kept thinking about him asking me and I thought, maybe I shouldn't have said no. Maybe I shouldn't have said no. And that morning I woke up and I'm getting dressed and I'm like, what? why am I getting dressed? Why am I putting on this? Kind of like I'm in automatic. And it's like, you're going. <laughs> so I went, I just like felt this impulse to go. Like I rang up, was it? I'm coming. I had no idea why I was there, what I was there to do, but just listened and acted accordingly. Yeah, listening to that guidance and acting on it. We have free will. We can say no, <laughs> which I have often, I have to say. I remember when I was young, I used to drive a motorbike when I was a naturopathic student. When I was like 23, 24, 25. I can't remember how old I was. And I thought I was pretty cool. But anyway, I was staying, I was at my boyfriend's place and I wanted to go home. It was a cold night. I didn't feel like getting on the bike. It was only, you know, a few streets away. And I said, can I take your car home tonight? And I'll bring it back in the morning. Um, I just don't feel like being on the bike tonight. I just didn't want to sort of, I don't know, I just didn't feel like it. I remember I got in his car and I was driving past my bike and I had this really big impulse to get on that bike and take it home, like get on that bike and take it home. But the, my, my desire for comfort, for more comfort to just be in the car overrode 
the impulse, like I had this absolute knowing that I should take my bike home that night. Anyway, four o'clock in the morning, I got a, a call from the police. My bike was stolen and they found it like hours out of Sydney. But they found it and then I had to go the next day and pick it up. Um, yeah, and I remember thinking, wow, I got the message and I didn't listen. It was a really powerful message to listen. Listen to those impulses. Listen over comfort. Like it was more comfortable for me to be in the car. Maybe it was wet. Maybe it was raining than to get on the bike in the rain. But I got the message and I didn't listen because I let comfort override the message. Anyway, I don't know why I'm raving on about this now. <laughs> Here we are raving. Listen to your impulses. And if you don't, if you're not impulsed to act, then don't act. Relax, go to the beach, have a sleep, pat the cat, meditate. Yeah. Listen, listen for the impulses. Just saying to Beverly, this will be the second last show I do for this year. I've got one more person and then I'm finished for the year. I'm going to take a couple of weeks off over Christmas and New Year doing the shows. We're still online every week with my Inner Sanctum group. Next year, I'm opening up the Inner Sanctum for guest speakers to the public for anyone to join. I'll probably do the, them live online and invite people via Zoom link to join us to meet virtually on Zoom, the guest speakers. So I'll do that once, maybe twice a month and see how I feel. I do them once, maybe twice a month now, but I'm online every week with my tribe teaching. But instead of doing weekly sessions, I'm going to turn those weekly sessions into courses. It's going to cost a lot more, but it's going to be more impact, shorter, uh, with homework. It'll be more like my programs that I do one-on-one -on -one with people, except in, in groups. And uh, it'll be less expensive than my private sessions, but more expensive than what I've been doing in the inner sanctum. So things are changing up next year. And so I invite you all to come and join the inner sanctum because it'll be free or by donation. I shouldn't say free by donation because it would be nice to support the work that we're doing if you feel to, but it's not mandatory and just open it up to the public with the guest speakers. What I've been doing now is just inviting my online tribe who pay to be a part of the inner sanctum. It's not much. It's like five or six dollars US per session. It's pretty cheap and about eight, eight dollars Australian uh, per session to join it's like 39 dollars a month or less if you pay annually or half yearly much less anyway uh, I'll stop that and just start doing courses and um, and just open it up by donation uh, a bit like the shows the shows are free of course and but you've always you're always welcome to send send some donations if you're benefiting from the shows and learning stuff uh, I never actually ask for money and I rarely get donations, but every now and then somebody sends me $20, $25, sometimes $50. So I do appreciate it when you do send me some money for all the work I put into the shows because the shows take up a big chunk of my week instead of actually doing courses or uh, sessions with people. So next year I'm going to change it up a bit and probably spend less time on the shows, more time doing courses and um, yeah, things are shifting next year. It's going to be fun. Another fun year. Another fun year. There's lots of change happening next year, 2022. Uh, and it's going to be a big year. It's going to be a big year. They said that to me about 2020. You hold on to your hats, kids. It's going to be a fun ride is what they said to me at the end of 2019 which I thought was fun. I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> Little did I know. Then the fires, then COVID, fun ride, hold on to your hat, kids. Are gonna be, I mean, they're kind of my words, but that's how I interpreted the message that I get. Hold on to your hat, kids. It's going to be a fun ride, which I think is hilarious. But what I see happening in 2022 is different to 2020 and 2021. Yeah. Anyway, it's going to be quite transformative Okay, and lots of transitioning, they're telling me, lots of death next year. Death in that people just finished in this matrix, a bit like what Beverly said about the barefoot doctor. People dropping their body, like 66, is still quite young, especially for a holistic practitioner, right? You're supposed to live forever when you're healthy. Uh, but people, this is what... Um, William Linville said in the last Inner Sanctum session we had, and I've uploaded the highlights to that 
he said that a lot of people are dropping the body because they're taking they're coming back to be a part of this change but they're taking on new crystalline structured bodies that and coming in with no karma so they've been working on their karma and they've resolved their karma in the current body and then they're just dropping the you know death there is no death there is just finishing an experience to move on to another experience whether that is another physically focused experience or spiritually focused experience so there is no death so there will be lots of transitioning next year with people choosing to drop the body for the purpose of moving on to a new experience um, whether that's coming back into another physical structure physical body or moving on yeah but we are in this time of great transitioning and there will be many transition people transitioning next year which looks sad and looks like death but it doesn't have to be no more guest teachers this year into the inner sanctum but i have booked started booking people in for next year as, as i say i'm going to do a separate recording all about that i don't know who i've got booked in as yet who i've got kicking off next year for the inner sanctum Ah, Geraldine Orozco, my friend Geraldine will be our first guest in uh, mid-January, so 16th, 15th, 16th of January. And I will probably do that live on Zoom, uh, which will stream on both Facebook and YouTube and invite people. If you want to come and join us, you're welcome to come and join us. You don't have to be a, you know, join the Inner Sanctum tribe. Uh, you're welcome to come and join us. I'll send you the Zoom link if you want to come and join us and be live online with Geraldine, or you can just join and ask questions in the chat as I'll probably do it live. And uh, yeah, so things are changing because I'm facilitating these sorts of groups with my friend David here in, uh, on a Wednesday night in Sydney. And I'm also doing it with Sheila Seppi for the Wish Alliance. And so now I'll be doing it for the Inner Sanctum. So lots of work, lots of work. And I'm just throwing it open to energy philanthropy. If you want to support me financially, that would be, uh, you know, appreciated, but it's not mandatory. All right, I'm going. <laughs> thanks again for listening and watching. Love you all big time. And thanks for supporting the shows next year, 2022. Here we come. Love you big time. Remember to check out the book Awakened by Death if you haven't already, and I'll see you again soon. Big love.